You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, little man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, it is a third straight loss, a tough game that, for the third straight week, was right there, and the Dolphins just couldn't quite put the finishing touches on it. We'll get you the five takeaways, talk about the play before the play, the teaching tape, talk about the stats, and a whole lot more. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. So it's a third consecutive loss as the Dolphins' eight-game winning streak here at home at Hard Rock Stadium goes by the boards. They will look to start that streak back over again next Sunday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we'll see about the health of the football team because that was kind of one of the main things to look at in this game was just how often players were either going back to the locker room, coming out of the game in general. And for the third straight game, the Dolphins have to switch a quarterback at some point and go the rest of the way with a different quarterback. And for the fourth straight game, played more than one quarterback in the game. All that is to say, though, that head coach Mike McDaniel is not here for the excuses about injuries. Let's go ahead and go to head coach Mike McDaniel talking after the game about the availability of certain players and whether or not that is the biggest factor here for the Miami Dolphins. Here's coach. I'm going to demand that the team does not point at that uh, to be a reason for, um, you know, what's happened or a reason for the loss. I think that's the easy thing to do. I think that's the path of least resistance. And generally, um, the path of least resistance doesn't uh, lend the results um, that uh, ambitious, convicted, uh, all in players, team, organization um, want. So, uh, yeah, there's there's always there's always difficulties and and uh, adversity within NFL football games. Um, I thought we were we had the capability um, to overcome that, and we didn't. Clearly, obviously, the right mindset to have when it comes to getting. The game goes on, right? The game continues whether or not you have all of your guys or none of your guys. You still have to find a way to play the football game. The Dolphins competed for four quarters and were in it to the very end there right late up until that last onsides kick there. Um, but in this game, I mean, you know, we see Skylar Thompson exit with an injury. He doesn't return back to the game. We see Keon Crossan leave. Nick Needham leave. It's just been not so much the, the number of the injuries, but where these injuries are occurring at the quarterback position, on the offensive line, and at cornerback, that it's just really testing Miami's ability to overcome adversity. The last three games have not been able to, but I think it says a lot about the way they compete when they have to go deep into the bench. And look no further than that than Justin Bethel, who hasn't played 
more than 100 snaps on defense in the last four years, and he plays 13 today. His first offensive snaps for the Miami Dolphins makes a big third down stop on a third and one throw from Kirk Cousins and gave you quality stuff both there and on special teams. Again, I think it says a lot about this football team and who they are. Now the next part is getting over those, you know, I don't want to call it a moral victory, but getting over that hump and finding your way back into the winner's circle starting next Sunday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's look at some stats before we dive into the five takeaways here on the podcast. Miami had 23 first downs to the Vikings, 11. They were four for 14 on third down. The Vikings just two of 12 on third down. Miami one for two on fourth down. The Vikings did not attempt a fourth down. Miami nearly doubled the Vikings offensive output, 458 yards to 234. It's 385 to 156 in the passing game, we know what this Vikings offense has done over the last over this entire season in a five and one season where Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, and all the guys have kind of gotten off. And then on the rushing side of things, the Vikings 78 yards, Miami 73. The Dolphins ran 23 more plays than Minnesota, 73 to 50. But the turnovers, that'll get you every time. Three turnovers for Miami, none for the Vikings. The Dolphins get three sacks on Kirk Cousins. The Vikings get six combined sacks on Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater. Penalties also a big thing. 10 for 97 for Miami, two for 20 for the Vikings. The Dolphins win the time of possession battle 35 and a half to 24 and a half. So those are your numbers. Obviously, plenty of big moments in this game to point back to and say that might have been the turning point where the Dolphins could have potentially found a way into the winner's circle. Uh, Didn't turn out that way. Let's go ahead and start here, though, with the first takeaway, which is multifaceted in the drive in the first quarter that was basically deterred by penalties, the end of the half situation, and just the offense bogging down for long periods of time. We start on that first drive, the, the second drive, I should say, in that first quarter, where Miami looked sharp, and Skylar Thompson, after a shaky first series for the offense, was absolutely humming with some big-time throws, making some plays off script, scrambling around, doing some stuff, and, and showing you that it looks like maybe on a day where the Dolphins' defense is going to have it, we might be able to give them a complimentary facet on the offensive side of the football and really beat a team here at home. But as you gain 76 yards, you give 36 back on five penalties on one drive. There was three occasions where the Dolphins drove the ball into scoring range, into field goal range, and got bumped back out because of a hold, because of an ineligible man downfield. There was a false start earlier on the drive, an offensive pass interference, just all kinds of things that pop up that prevent you from putting points on the board. And that was the theme in this game where points were at a premium. And, you know, last week the Dolphins had 11 penalties for 10 for 102 yards. This week it's, what did I say it was again? It was 10 more for 97 and five for 40 in that first quarter kind of carrying over. When you do that, when you give up that many sacks and you turn the ball over that many times, it's just going to be awfully tough to, to find victory. And there was a sequence as we move on, you know, as that drive is pretty much by the boards via the penalty, that the end of the first half looked like an opportunity for Miami to really make a statement and, and get back, not just in the game, but take a lead as they're trailing seven to three. And there was uh, the sequence began with this. It was on a first down play at the plus 34, first and 10, 
where we took a deep shot into the corner of the end zone to Tyreek Hill, and it was really well covered. The ball was overthrown in terms of off the field, not a chance for a completion. And right underneath that was Raheem Mostert, wide open all by himself. And I'm thinking that might have been a, a way to kind of cruise into the red zone and put yourself in a second short situation. Maybe then you can take some shots into the end zone. Uh, just a tough break there. We eventually miss a 52-yard field goal as a result of that. And the 50-plus yard field goals this year have not been very kind to the Miami Dolphins. It's now 0 for 3 from 50-plus range. Then we get an 8-yard sack from a Landon Roberts, and the clock winds for 40 seconds, a 14-yard gain on on second and 18, and then a hold, and we catch the punt with 28 seconds uh, left in the half, all three timeouts to go at our own 10-yard line, and you're thinking, well, okay, now it's time to go to the half because we didn't use the timeouts, not enough time to go the distance of the field, but they come out and they hit some passes. A first down pass for 14 yards. Boom, drive started. Let's go. Timeout right there. But then... Again, we get another guy in space, but this time the pass goes off the shoulder pad of Jalen Waddle that would have put the Dolphins at the minus 40-yard line with one timeout in their pocket, and I think it was 19, 20 seconds at that point left to go still, but it gets popped up and gets picked off. So not only are you not scoring points on your own side in a 7-3 game, which is obviously so valuable in every game, but such a premium in this game, not only are you not getting the three on your own side, you're giving three back to the Vikings after a uh, one-on-one coverage they're in zero and Noah Igbenogany draws Adam Thielen who puts a double move on him and it gets called for defensive pass interference to put the Vikings into field goal range and they go ahead and hit that and then later in the game the third quarter coming out of the break you know I talked about it on the podcast this week how Miami was up 35 to 7 with regards to the final four minutes of the first half and the opening drive of the second half they were really dominating the middle eight portion of the game which is where teams can tend to widen their margins. It's a good spot to dominate and to kind of take advantage of the fact that you win the coin toss, defer, get the ball at the start of the second half, win the end of the first half, and all of a sudden you've put two possessions in in the bank compared to your opposition who hasn't touched the ball yet and you're scoring points. It's a good way to live, and Miami had lived that way successfully through the first five weeks of the season. Today it went the opposite direction. We talk about the end of the first half, coming back out of the second half. I mean, the defense, what more can you ask for? We'll get to those guys here in just a second, but what more can you ask for than two short fields after a failed fake punt attempt gets, which by the way, Clayton Fedulum has the first down. He just goes to transfer the ball from one arm to the other arm and it falls out mid-transfer and that goes short of the sticks, whereas if he hangs onto the ball, it's a first down. It was just that kind of day. But then you get back-to-back tackles for loss from Christian Wilkins to knock them out of field goal range, and then a false start and an incomplete pass, and they have to punt the ball back. Cool. Miami gets it back and goes three and out again, and then has to punt the ball back, and it's a 25-yard punt return from Jalen Rager in plus territory once again, and the Miami defense holds once again. So in the opening part of the game, you had four three and outs consecutively from the defense for 15 total yards for the Vikings and you don't score any points. You get three points, I should say, a field goal out of it uh, for the Dolphins' offense, and then you get two quick stops on defense and no points out of that right there. So just not maximizing the complementary nature of the game. And in that third quarter, man, things bogged down. And you look at the stats, they look a lot better at the end of the day than what maybe the game showed as far as offensive productivity because there was a drive where we had two passes behind Jalen Waddell who was open over the middle. And then we get... You know, six sacks in the game where the the 
pocket is breaking down, kind of falling out of the pocket, not stepping up into the pocket, whatever the case may be. Too many sacks on your quarterback. Uh, the running game went completely by the boards in that portion of the game. There was three possessions where the Dolphins did not run the football, and then Waddle, we mentioned the, the pass off the shoulder pad that gets picked off, the fumble at the end of the game that really was not the nail on the coffin, but a couple of plays later it was. Just too many mistakes to overcome in a situation in a game where you dominate, you go more than double the first downs, almost double the total yardage, but because you give up double the sacks and have three turnovers to none, you wind up losing the game. A tough, tough way to go out there for the Miami Dolphins. Takeaway number two is that, again, I mentioned it in the open, is to me, one of the greatest powers this team has is Mike McDaniel and what we've known about him from his time from the Niners up until now with the Miami Dolphins and the ability to to concoct a game plan and an offensive structure that is successful almost regardless of the personnel you have. And I mean, we saw the Niners back when McDaniel was there with Shanahan for years, like get 300, 400 yard passing games out of, you know, Nick Mullins and no shade on Nick Mullins, but he's a guy that was an undrafted free agent who comes in and has big passing yardage days because that's the belief that coach McDaniel can talk about. As you heard in that soundbite where we, if we have a player on our roster, our expectation is for them to perform, but the challenge of him, I should say not the challenge, but the result of having your quarterback go out early in the game as Skylar Thompson does in the second quarter is that all of a sudden the guy that had all the live reps is no longer available to you and so that kind of game planning advantage that you hope you have with a quality head coach is by the wayside and you've had that now three games in a row back to Cincinnati where in the second quarter we lose our quarterback and turn it over to the second string quarterback and then in the Jets game on the very first play of the game the starter gets hurt and you go to quarterback number two and then today again you can't get out of the first half with QB1 it is just a tough way to live when your quarterbacks are getting knocked out of the game and we've seen the Dolphins go into these kind of lulls after that opening after the quarterback goes down where there's two or three possessions where it takes them time to kind of get their feet under them and get going it's a tough way to live it's a tough way to win games so that's takeaway number two is losing one of our best powers we have in game planning for that specific quarterback that week in each of the last three games those are takeaways one through two we'll come back and do three through five here on the next side drive time podcast your host travis wingfield brought to you by auto nation Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
back here on a Sunday night recap edition of the Drive Time Podcast, taking a look at the five takeaways from Vikings 24, Dolphins 16, as Miami falls to 3-3 three and three on the season through the first six games of the season with the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to town next Sunday night in primetime. And takeaway number three from this game is how well the defense played. I mean, I talked about the open already. Four drives to begin the game, and you get no first downs, 15 yards allowed. The two drives to open the third period, third quarter, I don't know why I said period, is back-to-back three and outs. And then after the offense went down and put a touchdown on the board in the fourth quarter to pull you to within six after the Vikings missed a PAT, which, you know, opens the door for potential, like, the Jets won a game that same way against the Browns a couple weeks ago where they went down by two touchdowns. They missed the PAT and the Jets scored two touchdowns back to back to win that game because of their successful PATs. You see the door kind of open there and the defense comes right back out and does the exact same thing. Three and out once again. I thought the communication in the secondary was nearly flawless in this game, except for one play where we got caught on a pick and Justin Jefferson gets up the sideline and makes a big play that, you know, at that point, it felt like kind of a back-breaking play, but it wasn't because Miami's offense responded and the defense responded with a three and out after the fact, but I thought the secondary communicated so, so very well. We'll talk more about that with Xavier Howard and Nick Needham here in just one second, and uh, Needham obviously got carted off in this game. We'll see about his injury prognosis going forward, but it looked like a, a pretty tough injury there for Needham, which you hate to see for anybody, but especially for Nick Needham, who works as hard as anybody and really earned his way into a, a prominent spot on this defense in this league from UDFA to a, a, a surefire starter for your secondary. I thought the way they communicated between those two, between Noah Igbenogany and Keon Crossan when they had him out there, uh, Javon Holland and Brandon Jones in the back end, I thought was really solid, just covering things downfield. We saw Kirk Cousins double clutching, hitching up, hitching up, and that allowed the pass rush to really have their best game with three sacks. But I'm curious to see the pressure totals because they were in his face all game long, impacting throws, forcing him to step off of the spot. And, you know, you just look at, we talked about this in the postgame show about how many mobile quarterbacks the Dolphins have faced in the recent weeks. You know, Lamar Jackson, as mobile as they get. Josh Allen, as good as it gets when it comes to <laughs> shaking off sacks. Joe Burrow's quick twitch, a former basketball star in high school who can kind of get off the spot. And Zach Wilson, same deal with him. And then now you get to these more quarterbacks whose strengths are in other areas. Maybe this defense can start to find their footing in the pass rush department. I think you saw that today coming after Kirk Cousins, very, very strong and very, very well for four quarters. Jalen Phillips was an absolute menace in this game. He was fantastic with the pass rush from any position, from different pass rush looks and techniques. He just continuously put the heat on their quarterback. Landon Roberts was fantastic. He has the, the first or the full sack, I should say, to himself at the end of the first half. He was also in there for the other half sack with Jalen Phillips, where he just beat a block inside. Really good work from Landon Roberts. Raekwon Davis has a big sack after he got one taken off the board last week, so the big fella getting some pressures as well. Christian Wilkins, the back-to-back tackles for loss after the the failed fake punt to knock them back a combined negative seven yards where he's just winning off the snap immediately. That is elite, elite stuff from Christian Wilkins. I thought at all three levels, they were fantastic. I thought Noah Igbenogany, who came in and got some run late, again, because Nick Needham, Keon Cross, and go down. You start getting some work out of him and Justin Bethel. They come out and they compete at a high level. Igbenogany in good shape on a couple of balls. Got a couple of hands-on footballs. Nearly picked one off there as well. They dominate up front really the entire game except for that one hurry-up series late in the first half and then a couple of drives there late in the game after you know some repeated times having to go back out there. But man, th- this defense, they played their butts off in this game. 
Takeaway number four is that the special teams, it's been a, a low in recent weeks. Today was a little bit of highs and lows. You know, Crossan, speaking of Keon Crossan, covers a 54-yard punt perfectly to get down there and make a tackle in open space. That was after Justin Bethel fights off a block on a kind of pin shot, you know, a, a wedge shot from uh, Thomas Morstead for a 36-yard punt that he fights off a block and makes the catch of the punt at the six-yard line. And then you have a muff punt early in the game. We get it back, fortunately. You get a failed fourth down, a, a fake punt attempt of Clayton Fedulum, who, again, he would have had the first down if he just secured the ball and put it away, but it comes out a yard short. And then a missed 52-yard field goal. Those are valuable, valuable points in a game like this. We allow a 25-yard return as well on a 62-yard punt, so it's only a 37-yard gross, but still, the long punt return, something you don't want to see. So special teams having some highs and lows continued here. And my fifth takeaway is the absurd impact of Tyreek Hill. Just time and time again, you go to that guy and he continues to make plays. The fourth and five call, like on your own side of midfield in a game where the defense is playing so well, the, the conventional thought there is pin them deep, get another stop, and let's make another crack at it here on the next possession. But I guess when you have Tyreek Hill, why would you need to do that? Because he can uncover at an insane rate. I mean, the, the speed that he has alone, you know, pushes defenses back. But then the way he snaps it off and comes back to the quarterback, uh, there were so many plays today. And that's one of the things I like about going to the games more than, you know, watching on TV. And I wish TV would just give us the wider shots so we can see this, but it doesn't happen that way, is that you can see the space that he creates with the urgency of the defense to get on top of him. And you can see the plays develop in a way that you can't on TV in terms of, you know, the quarterback anticipating a throw, putting the ball on a spot. And by the time Tyreek's done doing his thing, there's the ball with Tyreek and he makes a huge play. I mean, he ends this game with an absurd, an absurd 177 yards receiving on 12 catches. That's 15 targets. That's 11.8 yards per target. So on 15 passes of Tyreek Hill, you're averaging almost 12 yards a play. It's a pretty good way to live that way. He now has up to 700 yards on the season in receiving. So through six games, going to be one of the top receivers in the league going in the next week again. The 28-yard completion where he catches it in the middle of the field and just like takes a step back to create space from him and the nearest defender. And you see the defender like break down, like, all right, I got to make a play right here because this guy is pretty freaking fast. The way he put the foot in the ground just took off for 28 yards was absolutely insane. Then he gets a 25-yarder to kickstart the next drive. Mentioned the 10-yard catch on fourth and five when you absolutely had to have him. Just really big stuff from Tyreek Hill. He has been so impressive all season long and almost, almost carried the Dolphins offense in this one to a victory. Let's go ahead and take our last break. We'll come back on the other side, give you some more individual notes that I saw in this game, talk about the play before the play, the teaching tape. Uh, That's next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? 
Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our Sunday night flagship five takeaway podcast here, taking a look at the Dolphins' 26-14 defeat at the hands of the Minnesota Vikings. The five takeaways were the Tyreek Hill impact, special teams, highs and lows, defense getting the job done, losing one of our biggest advantages in each of the last three games, and then the drive killer penalties, end of the half confusion, and offense bogging down for long stretches was our five takeaways previously. Every week on the podcast here, we do the play before the play and the teaching tape moment. And I think the play before the play, it's tough. I think it's Christian Wilkins. It usually is because he makes so many plays. The second tackle for loss. After he made a six-yard tackle for loss on a jet sweep where he pops up field and cuts that thing down to Justin Jefferson, of all people, sets up a second and 16. But how many times off of that look do you see the offense come back with a chunk run to put themselves back in third and manageable? They give it to Dalvin Cook, who's one of the best running backs in the league. And once again, there's a big gap right behind him, but he beats a single block and comes off of it and makes the play for not just a, a short gain, but another loss. To make it third and 17, I mentioned it already, the Dolph- the uh, Vikings jumped offsides or false start on the following play, so it's third and 22. Christian Wilkins basically ruined an entire drive by his own doing on that thing. And then the other option was the 28-yard catch and run by Tyreek Hill because I was so impressed by it, but it wasn't really the play before the play, so we'll go ahead and scratch that here from the record. My teaching tape goes back to the takeaway talking about the defensive communication because there were so many instances where the Vikings would motion, short motion, or just for whatever reason would bring guys into either a bunch or stack set, which is receivers that are kind of on top of each other to give themselves more confusing releases and freer releases into your defensive secondary. And I thought the way that X and Needham, and you could watch it again from the press box vantage point, watching them communicate like, hey, I'm first in, you're, you're last out. Like there's certain call, banjo calls, you know, how you handle switch releases, how you get the releases from the bunches and stacks. They were so sharp in that regard. And the reason that Cousins kept on double clutching and double hitching and, you know, taking longer than he wanted to was because the coverage was so good all game long on an offense that has so many weapons. So that was my teaching tape was the secondary. We'll cover more about that here in the post game or the, the all 22 podcast, I should say, here coming up your way on Tuesday. How about some more individual notes at the receiver position? I thought Jalen Waddell, despite the two mistakes, you know, the fumble and the, the interception that popped off the chest pad. I just thought he once again was exceptional, and that's just the kind of player he's become at this stage of his career. Six for 112. You know, we're talking about like it's a rough game for him. Or six for 129, I should say, averaging 21.5 a pop. Has that 49-yard catch and run again. Just him and Tyreek are, are sensational. We talk about a third pass option emerging. How about Mike Asicki going six for 69 with two touchdowns and kind of just winning inside on that little outside release cross and catch that pass with that long frame. And you could see Bridgewater and even Skylar Thompson when he was in the game were throwing the ball kind of upfield and Mike's reach and length definitely came into play there. Whereas he gets that linebacker on his back, he can kind of separate that way and create that space. Big day for Mike and a big 
big, big rebound response on the gritty celebration. That thing was fantastic, taking it all the way from the eye in the end zone, the Miami uh, word mark in the end zone, <laughs> all the way to the sideline, and then up the sideline, hitting that gritty. You know that he perfected that thing on his own uh, in the mirror. So the receivers and tight ends, they had themselves quite a day. My guy River Craycraft almost found the end zone on a play that got called back with a nice catch-and-run effort. Trent Sherfield gets loose up the sideline for a big catch-and-run, but that one gets called back as well. Raheem Moster, I thought, had some nice runs where he's turning you know, potential tackles in the backfield into positive gains. Really good work from the Dolphins running back once again. And then what else? Zach Sealer, I thought, had himself another good day defending the run, rushing the passer, just doing a little bit of everything like we have come kind of grown accustomed to him doing. Trey Flowers had a big hit on Kirk Cousins in the end zone that dang near got us a safety to kick this game to get this game started. He had to exit with an injury, but Trey Flowers, when he's played, has been very impactful. And then I mentioned Jalen Phillips already a bunch of times. He's been really good. Brandon Jones, Javon Hall, and both had some big pops and were right there in key spots for key moments in this game. So Miami's defense hopefully got right today. It feels like they did. We'll see about the next couple of weeks here. Steelers, Lions, Bears, Browns, by a week, Texans coming up for the defense to hopefully continue getting their their feet, their footing under them, I should say, going into that stretch of games. Let's go ahead and call it a podcast right there. That's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and OJ every single week on Tuesdays. You can find our Twitter Spaces show on Wednesdays at 8 o'clock at night. That, of course, is on Twitter. I'm on my timeline at Wingfield NFL. Check out our international podcast across the network, the YouTube channel for Dolphins Today for media availability, some drive time and fish tank content in there for you as well, as always. And of course, last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, until Tuesday for the All-22 Review, fins up, Caroline, daddy's coming home.